Hi friends, this is Olivia coming in at the top to give you a content warning for episode 11, Remedial Battle Magic. In this episode, there is an on-screen suicide by a minor character shown in complete detail. If you have yet to watch the episode and would like to skip this moment, the entire scene begins at the 12 minute 30 second mark, and that specific moment begins at the 13 minute 10 second mark and runs for another 20 seconds. In our episode coverage, we discuss this moment around the 24 minute mark and move on at the 25 minute mark. Please take care of yourselves if you're not interested in hearing this discussion and thank you for listening with us when you can. No Sidekicks, a Magicians Rewatch podcast, where we'll be discussing every episode of The Magicians in order and with a lot of feelings. I'm Dara. I'm Olivia. And today we're discussing episode 111, Remedial Battle Magic. Written by Sarah Gamble, John McNamara, and Leah Fong, who was credited to episode 6 and will be credited to episode 12 as well. Directed by Amanda Tapping, and it first aired March 28th, 2016. The description is Quentin and company try to determine the best strategy to take down the beast, while Julia and Katie seek a way to make an otherworldly connection. I think this is accurate. I did not write a different description because I thought that actually did what a description is supposed to do and captured the episode. What did you think? Uh, I think it was accurate. You didn't do one for the sake of funsies for like (laughs) later season descriptions. Hmm, I didn't, but shall we try to do one? The break bills kids go full Spock with their emotions. Quentin fucks around and finds out and Katie and Julia encounter a familiar person. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's accurate, except he doesn't find out. Not yet. <laughs> he, he, fucks, he fucks around. He's Next episode, we will find out. <laughs> if like they had been writing descriptions when that phrase was like in like in society, that would have been all over the place. They didn't get <laughs> to their silly descriptions yet. That's why we do this. That's why this is a bit. It's true. It's true. I want to be like, hey, how what did you think of this episode and in in my on my take of this episode is a lot happens and in the last episode a lot happens because it needed to set up a lot of stuff that is still happening in this episode which is not a very interesting thing to say which is why this episode is like hard to be like oh how did you feel about it because it's just kind of like a lot of different plot necessary things are going on there's more fun moments in this episode than in the previous episode, I think. But I don't know. It's just moving the plot along. But, you know, to be fair, Olivia, what did you think of this episode? Remedial bat- Battle Magic. I think it's a fun episode. I I mean, to a degree. it's. I mean, it's actually quite a dark episode. <laughs> but we get by Quentin, so no complaints. <laughs> complaints <laughs> reserved because we get by Quentin confirmation. And that means so much to me. However... Like a lot is happening and even the fun parts were not particularly fun. Like I wasn't like laughing out loud. Granted, I've seen this so, 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 so many times. So a lot of like, I think first time me viewing this would have more heightened feelings than I did. I'm wondering. So from our literary standpoint, our little analysis you and I tried to do, I kind of struggled a little bit to find the thesis for this one. Me too. And that's kind of why I feel like it's a plot episode where they're like, we're going to get to it. 
but none like I thought was it maybe about like how emotions are necessary for growth but then that doesn't really fit with like Julia Katie plot you know there isn't something that kind of like nicely ties that up for and then I don't think that anyone has learned that lesson in this episode I think there's some elements to it but I don't think that they're like Quentin Margot and Elliot do not grasp that let me say that (laughs) I think there yeah there's definitely a lot of like you have to be true to yourself and like in the last episode Katie said like you have to cast pure or was it in this episode? Mm. It was in this episode. And that's, I think that's like important in the sense of like, you know, you you can't lie to yourself about things. And I think even if you are really good at communicating, if you're lying to yourself, your communication isn't doing shit. So yeah, but yeah, I struggled to find like a very clear one. Like you said, this is almost an extension of the previous episode. Like back in the 22 season, 22 episodes per season days, I feel like this would have been a part one and a part two, you know? Yeah. Alas, we are in 13 <sighs> episode season era and- yep. Let's hop Cram into it, it all in. I have mixed feelings about the 13 season, 13 episode season versus the 22 episode season. I, I like both for certain reasons and I hate both for certain reasons. Because like, like you can have more fun in a longer season. Absolutely. You can do more character building and you can have goofy episodes when you have you 13. Have goofy episodes. Hey, musical episodes are in our future. I know this, but like Absolutely. it's still a musical episode that's full of plot. And that's kind of insane. Love a good filler episode in which you just kind of do something wacky and have fun with it. However, it can be said that like, some of those episodes completely throw off the show, especially like if it's a serialized show in the sense that like you you may have ended off on like this crazy question in the last episode. And then in this episode, you're doing something completely like, you know, everybody gets yeah. baked and this funny thing happens. And it's like, OK, this was fun, but also what the fuck? Because everything that happened last week. It's even worse when shows do that. And there's like one character that's experiencing all of the trauma and then everyone else is just goofing off. And you're like, oh, yeah. Shall we get into the previously ons? The previously ons. Breakville's university. Q gets in. Julia doesn't. Penny hears the beast in his head. Travelers are rare. Stanley exists. Joe exists. Penny exists. And they've all been to the Netherlands. Free trader Beowulf has some serious skills and they are trying to summon a god. Penny goes to the library. Love it. So we open up the squad. We are at the cottage and Penny is catching up. Margot Elliott. Alice and Quentin on how he got back from the Netherlands and they're kind of like teasing Penny about how the situation went down. Margot says go back to the part where you walked in on them banging which is the most Margot line. We were casting a spell. (laughs) Yeah and when Alice says that Penny why does Penny look at her like that? He like looks at her kind of way. Wait describe the look. I think I missed that. This is when when I'm paying attention to to a different character than you are. (sighs) It's very brief. It just like she says, we were casting a spell and it cuts to him and his eyes just flick to her. But it's like, I don't know. I think it's weighted. I think it's a weighted gaze. Mm, We know. We know how Penny feels about Alice. He thinks that she's hot and smart. Those are two like, I won't won't say anything more, but I'm sure he wasn't disappointed. Um, (laughs) Um, I also said, look at the way everyone is sitting. It's so them. Deep characterization. Penny is like lounging back. Alice is sitting all straight backed. Q is curled up in the window seat. Margot is like closed off and cross-legged. And Elliot is um, passed Somewhere. out. 
Elliot's passed yeah. out. It's not good. I wrote Lissai. Lissai. Uh, yeah. So while while they're debriefing on the whole situation of how Penny was gone for six weeks and now he got back through sex magic, Q is nerding out about Fillory as usual. But it's for business reasons. They're trying to kill the beast. So the pages that the librarian handed him from Martin's book, Q is reading it. And he is re- reading like the story of Martin's life, right? Because Martin, as much as he is a character in Fillory, is also a real person. And he says that the the person who created the Virgo blade also made a, another blade that could kill, like slice all magic. I'm not, I'm not saying it correctly, but it's the, it's like a Leo. It's called yes. the Leo blade, and Thank it was you. created to quote tear through the fabric of magic itself, which Quentin says can allude to killing a god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think what I, I think my favorite part of the episode is when Quentin is like the same guy that made the Virgo blade, and then he just goes, "I fucking love that guy." <laughs> <laughs> so there's like so many moments that are very quick like that that I don't think I was like, "Oh, that was hilarious," and but they are, but it's just because they happen so so quickly. There's a lot of like very very witty dialogue like the delivery was perfect it didn't feel like it didn't feel too written you know and because they don't pause on it for a long time Mm -hmm. it is like it is like naturally witty and they just keep moving so penny's like uh, so there's this really funny moment where martin asks this person if they could (laughs) get the knife and he looks at the pages and he's like and he was like he goes through all his notes he's like flipping through it frantically and he goes and the guy said yeah i can Uh, and then and then penny our logic king is like well none of that happened because if it had we would not be in this situation right now which is true oh and so not true because uh it did happen the books say that martin failed to recover the blade which means that it's likely that it still exists and remains hidden in fillery right but i mean what i was saying is that penny was like he didn't he didn't succeed martin didn't succeed in like you know killing plover so then that's why they're still in this situation but yes q's glass half full and he's like it's still possible we could go to fillery and they're all like that is a bad idea that is where the beast is fair point as well and then we have a great debate yes Margot says why can't we just give him the button and quentin has a great line saying handing the key to the multiverse to a monster is a great idea sarcasm and also this is before like multiverses were really popular because they're really a thing right now in media and now yeah, absolutely this was way before that and i'm like oh this is like cool to kind of re-engage with that idea overall it's also just a great line with the alliterative m a monster the key to the multiverse it's like a big and it's a big scary idea it's hard to hold on to that as a concept so Margot's like I've been in Ibiza for a while coming back to this and being like here's the easy solution Q's like you're not you're not seeing what I'm seeing no I mean they break it down pretty well in the sense that it might save all of them but it would still put Penny at risk and that's not really fair also the the people in the Netherlands who could come after Penny as well Penny also makes the point that gonna quote again his whole hard-on is locking down access to fillery <laughs> yeah so in all situations uh Penny would just still be considered a threat and thus still be in danger <laughs> so Alice being logical as she always is tries to call for a vote she Elliot and Margot vote that they give Plover the button 
and Quinn is not happy about this. But he's outnumbered and Alice says, sorry, it's the best plan or it's the best option. So we cut to Hugh and Alice walking through the Breakbills courtyard and they're kind of talking about how Penny has been gone for a couple of days, but it's only been an hour. Alice is saying to Q that he shouldn't be worried that it's probably fine. And they're going to be late to class, which is so funny because like you guys are dealing with like a multiversal beast that's trying to kill everyone and you're still going to class. I find that extremely relatable. So relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This rewatch is a little more poignant than I thought it would be. Yeah. And so they're kind of like, I wouldn't say bickering, but towing the line of bickering, especially when Alice says, you're just upset. You'll never get to go to Fillory. Q is like, uh, why would I want to go there? That's where the monster lives. Even if he did write my favorite books that saved my life. <laughs> like he seems very, very disenchanted right now. Um, yeah. And then they arrive at class and disenchanted is not a strong enough word for what we see. There's been a mass murder. Yeah. We see the beast's signature, a bloody smiley face painted onto the chalkboard. And then we hear Margot sobbing um, and find her crying over Elliot's dead body. When Alice and Q inquire what happened, Margot just says, we should have listened to you, Q. And then she starts coughing up blood and passing out. Not how I thought the episode was going to go from the no, from the beginning. Not quite. They start to hear the telltale whistling of Farmer on the Dell. And... They magic the door closed and go to hide um, in another part of the classroom. And the door swings open and the whistling continues. So Alice starts bleeding in the exact same way that Margot does. Yes. And then if that wasn't enough, the beast also magically snaps her neck. Not yes. a visual I wanted to see. Also, uh, we don't see him do this. We just see his shadow the with all the yeah. moths around his head on the wall casting. That feels significant. I don't know why they're trying to hide him now when like the moths already do that. We hear mm-hmm. his voice. We hear him whistling. We hear the sound of the moths, which is a very interesting. Yes. Like that's always been a part of it. But like you're right to hear it and not see him. Kind yeah. of scary. Fear. Also, the beast gets his own jingle, not just like the whistling, but like the like, what is it? Like bass almost that comes in. Yeah. Um, it's like distorted. As Alice is lay dying and Q starts to be strangled magically as well, we see a coin with a burned insignia on it fall and start to spin. And then we cut to the credits. <laughs> credits. Credits. Really, really interesting. We like, I don't know. I mean, the top of this episode is pretty good for, to do that, right? Because we know now we know what happens, right? Because you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh, what's that? And then you're like, magic. Okay. Yes, of course. So after the credits, we see the coin land and everybody comes to gasping. They're seated in a circle on the floor in the cottage. Apparently, they have done this little ritual eight freaking times. Eight. Eight times. They all look deeply traumatized. Uh, They mostly can't breathe. Margot throws up. Everybody is sweaty and stressed to hell. Elliot turns to Margot and reminds who who she is and says Mm -hmm. that she's Margot, that she is fabulous, and she's under the influence of a probability spell. And she says, I am fabulous, aren't I? (laughs) And by the time I watched this episode three times, I was like saying that in time with her. 
was so yeah. ready. I love that we know it's a probability spell. I personally like yeah. Alice's little one cues. Like, are you okay? She goes, just a little shaky. I don't like dying. <laughs> it's like, yeah, babe, who does? <laughs> oh, yeah. head um, empty. <laughs> head empty, just dying. Apparently none of them know what happened to Penny. He reveals that his head was ripped off by the beast in the Netherlands. It's not great. So the great debate continues now that they've given it all all of these different versions of their options a try. And, you know, Elliot's like this happened. There's we've done this eight times and the same thing happens every time the beast comes next week and kills all of us. And Q says that's not true. There's one that mm -hmm. we went to Fillory and it all went white. There is a line that they could have played up and they didn't when they're like talking about how this is not working. They say this is a dead end. And I was just like, anyone? Bueller? Bueller? This feels like I one of the it. lines that they would have played up and they didn't, which is good. It definitely didn't need to be like, this is just scary as hell. I just, I don't know. I, I often write down the lines as they come and that one, I was just like, nobody? <laughs> anyway, yes. Quinn is like, yeah, there was the one where everything went white and Elle's like, that's not necessarily good. But Q is like, but I'll take it over all of the death um, yeah. because whether we do something or not, he's coming. So let's do something. Yeah. Penny is not for it. You know, this is how he is. He kind of runs away from the danger. And so he's like, I'm out. And he leaves. Straight up and... to him walking in the commons. The beast shows up again in his head. He tells Penny to deliver himself before he drives him mad. He threatens to make it very, very loud. Not a fan of this for pet Penny. So we're back at Julia's uh, apartment where Richard is talking to Katie and Julia about gods and what's going on with gods since they existed and where they are now. I have God 101 class. <laughs> <laughs> So he admits that no one has spoken to a god in a really long time, that they've disappeared, but that humans are not their only children and that there are other creatures that gods have created that they should use as like proxies to get to them. There's like a fun little line where they're like vampires and unicorns. And they're like, unicorns are probably a myth. And yeah, what a what a bummer. All in all, they want to find a creature who remembers when the gods were on speaking terms with humans. Yes, to get closer to talking to one of them. Richard has been working on this for a very long time and now things have changed and it's because of Julia. So he gave mm -hmm. her that spell a couple of episodes ago and we got the whole key art of the show. She was lifted into the air and what's the goddess's name again? She of the Grain. She of the Grain. What a weird name. So a few episodes ago, Richard gave her that spell and he says that when people do the spell, they don't usually get a response. And Julia is one of the first, like, or the only person who has gotten a response from this god when she did that spell. So it is changing their circumstances and their ability to contact a god since he's identified Julia as being god-touched. And he doesn't know why some people are able to talk to them more than others. <laughs> Julia seems not thrilled with this new pressure. <laughs> yeah, she's been through a lot. And then he says that he's like, I gave you a test. And I was like, what is up with the magicians and all of the tests? 
once again, the tests never end with magicians. They're constantly yeah. secretly testing each other to see whether or not they are qualified for different like things. And there's just zero communication and being upfront with these people. Yeah. There's also do? the lying. The fact that originally he was like, she's shy. She doesn't come out for everybody, Miss She of the Grain. And then he was like, JK, she's come out for nobody except for you, Julia. Right. What a, It's like a shocking piece of information to get. And then... Like Big all deal. this whole free to trader group now is like relying on her. And we just, you know, last episode, their reasons for wanting to contact a god and do time magic are like pretty serious. And so now all of that pressure is on Julia. Eh, not yeah. a fan. So we cut from Julia making a, well, I don't like this news space to <laughs> back to the cottage. Alice, Margot, and Quentin are discussing over tea. <laughs> my first note they're all just sitting at the table with little mugs and then elliot comes in and says that he's in he's in on their plan because he heard the word illegal <laughs> well margo walks in first right so margo yes. walks in first and and they're saying q says we need to know about battle magic and she goes that stuff's illegal she's like i'm fucking with you <laughs> yeah because Margot is also in when she hears the word illegal. But they decide they're going to figure out how to learn. And Elliot also came in with a secondary purpose. He has a note for Alice from admin. We cut to Alice on the phone and we find out from her mom that Joe killed himself. So Alice is very freaked out by this news and she goes to find Penny. Penny, meanwhile, is actively hearing the beast. We hear like this high-pitched noise. We hear him like having some voices going on. And he says, I know what happened to her friend. Then Alice kind of like starts to mansplain to Penny <laughs> the like <laughs> suckiness of being psychic. And he like rightfully snaps at her. He's like, I got it under control. <laughs> and she says, she's like, you're like a walking button, which really it's a serious situation. But I was like, just imagining Penny as a giant button walking around. <laughs> I was just like, this is stupid since like their whole qualm is about them having a magic button. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't like I didn't care for the reference. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I also know that this is this doesn't matter, but they went back to that payphone and they keep going back to that payphone. And now I'm convinced that like they're just not allowed to have cell phones on Breakbill's campus. Yeah. Like it's 2015. There's no indication that this is set years before that. So where are the phones? <laughs> It's just one of those things that's going to bother me forever. Yeah, it's going to suspend gonna your an disbelief entirely. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, where's the phone? Okay, so Penny says he knows what is going on and he's got it under Ooh, control. Theory. Maybe the amount of like wards on the campus fuck with cell phone, inter um, cell phone towers. So they have to use landlines. We have now made a headcanon. That has to be true. Yeah. All I right. mean, it would have been cute if they said something, because also, can you imagine like a bunch of texts and emails piling up? Like, how would they how do they leave campus to check? Does every is like the ward lowered like at, at once every day and everybody gets to check their phone for five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, no, that's definitely not true. But that is that is the new Ooh. theory. We're rolling with it. We're but do you remember when they were in that computer room it was the yes. trans computer room the and it was computer. like they were looking up the forum about the the like uh filler and further books sorry it was the wind chime computer room the wind chime not to be confused. the trans coffee commons is what you're thinking of <laughs> how could i get them confused <laughs> how could you um no the wind chime computer room <laughs> uh oh maybe the oh. okay further developing the theory maybe the wind chimes like 
deflect the wards in some way. Like in the same sense that like Alice can bend light, like maybe they bend signals in a way that like you can kind of get a signal in that room. Like when you stand on a rock, it's like, this helps. Gotta be it. <laughs> this is doing something. We're avoiding the next scene. If we you've are watched off the track. show. I wasn't even trying. I just got very into the theory. So Penny ditches Alice and then we cut to him showing up at a trailer. He went to find Stanley, who was supposed to be his mentor. He confirms that Stanley is also hearing the beast. Stanley says he knows everything about me, my son's address. He also makes this gross comment of like, I ever want to travel to a blue state, let alone other worlds. We get it, Stanley. Not a good vibe, but he says he has a plan and he talks it up like it's this big, powerful, grand solution. He starts to rope Penny. You can see Penny like starting to believe him. And unfortunately, the plan is that he takes a shotgun and puts it in his mouth. And they do not cut away. They do not cut away which is a big deal in media. I feel like more often than not uh, when there is death by suicide by gun, we almost always cut away. And they did not in this scene. It was graphic. Yeah. Uh, it is yeah. quick, but it is graphic. And Penny has to see it. And so do we. So we cut yeah. back to the cottage after that. It's very quick. Elliot uh, has stolen a book from Sunderland's Ooh. office. It's in Japanese. They make a joke that this is from World War II. And... Um, there's a spell for a, quote, magic missile, which Q says is some straight up Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And he gets all hype. He does his little hands and his little, uh, okay, <laughs> which I love. Um, and so they start trying to cast and it's not going well. Alice steps in and is like, your popper 43 is off and then tries to do it. And she has no success as well. Margot jumps in with a great suggestion. She's like, what if we got guns? And Q says, uh, Fillory is a pristine, like pre-industrial like world. And there's no, like, you can't introduce stuff like that. She says, fine. How are you with a broadsword? <laughs> Which I appreciate. So many nerdy things back to back. It's like, this is D&D. Here, how are you with a broadsword? I was like, yes, let's go. Margot is a realist. Like that is coming through so well here. She's very much like, we can't do this. We need other solutions and yeah. they need to be impactful. Yes. Uh, so they all agree that they need to talk or Q has an idea of who and he wants to talk to Penny. Before they decide to go find Penny, Alice asks Elliot how he killed Mike. It's very quick oh, she... and it's a major bummer. <laughs> Yeah, um, she's like, we've all done battle magic at some point, right? And looks mm -hmm. to, to Elliot, yeah. And he says it was shockingly easy, amongst other things. But it's it's very tasteless. They've all done battle magic, but they haven't all killed someone. And Elliot seems very uncomfortable and taken aback by this, which is fair. Um, Alice is not one for the social cues, you know? Yeah. Yes. That's true. Yes. Um, and that is very clear here. Also, to be fair, they um, have kind of been on edge with each other for a few episodes now. Right. After the, the house. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, they go and find Penny in order to find Katie. They find Penny in a classroom and they say they want to find Katie because that's how um, Q learned bad, battle magic before he mimicked her. Penny makes the argument that she's a good magician and she doesn't want to be found. Uh, yeah. But they convince him to do a mirror spell 
And he says, it's really fucked up doing a mirror spell in here because it's the same classroom where they first summoned the beast, which is and was which was also through a mirror. So so Quentin is trying to beseech with him and he's like, hey, like, I know that this is hard, but we do need her. And the says, oh, the mirror is changing. And we kind of get oh this is so fun so we get to see into the mirror and it's like and it pans he's like moving it around and we can see Mm -hmm. katie in in an apartment yeah the second penny sees katie his whole face just falls like he doesn't he doesn't like jump the way q does in two seconds when he sees julia um but he his his face just drops and he just says you're welcome puts the mirror down and leaves very stoic yes uh, Q takes a look and then he's like, I know this place and recognizes <laughs> it as Julia's apartment. And then yeah. I had a lot of questions because I was like, did they live together in the first episode? <laughs> like, was it also um, his apartment? That was, that was in college. That was like their college dorm. The, we're well, not college co- dorm, but college apartment. Yeah. The second he sees Julia, he like, he flinches and is like, shit, and puts down the mirror to hide. (laughs) He just like immediately wants to be out of sight of it. It's just confusing to me because like we've said at the beginning of this season of the podcast, I do not understand time in this show. So I, you and I had this debate in the first episode, I believe. I think that was James and Quentin's apartment, like their college apartment. And Uh this is Julia's apartment. Oh, okay. That would make more sense. Yes, because as okay. we know, James is not living with her. Yes, but more than one, more than Q lived in that other apartment. So that that is yes. my theory. I think we do see James's apartment for a second in one of the episodes, but I don't, I don't yeah. remember it. We didn't make much note of it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no worries. I think it's. Fine to skip over. All right. We cut so, to said apartment. Katie's in the apartment. There's a knock at the door. She opens it and uh, it's, it's our crew. And she's very surprised to see them. And she says, Julia is not here. Doesn't say, oh, I know Julia this way or any like the, nope. no explaining. <laughs> and they're like, we're here to talk to you. And so she, so she says, OK, and let's them in. And then we are this is going to be hard to talk about because they cut back and forth between these two scenes pretty quickly. Yes. So cut back to break bells after uh, Kitty agrees to let them in. And we see Penny trying to drown out the noise in his head with music, with beer, with drugs. And then we cut back to Julia's apartment. And they have debriefed her on their plan. And she says, I don't think this is a good idea going to where the beast is. Like, that's like home field advantage for him. Those are my words, not hers. Her words are they're stupid. (laughs) And she, you know, we know she's a really good magician. She says that most people can't do battle magic all of the time, only in little spurts. And it's like baby trapped under a car energy, which we've referenced before as well. And they're like, well, how can you do it? And she said, I've studied it for years and that the only recommendation she really has is just to like meditate every day for like a decade for a decade. So (laughs) I love her. I love her. And she kind of says there's like something that hedges use that she could show them, but it's not she wouldn't recommend it. But she is. She's about to tell them. So, yes. And then we cut back and Penny is still getting high. The music is getting louder. He's doing more various things to stop hearing the beast, but he's still hearing it. After we cut back from Penny getting high, Katie stops Q as they're all leaving. And she... She's awkward about it. 
So mm-hmm. Q takes the lead and asks how Julia is. And she says, why would you care about her after what she did to you? Mm-hmm. And Quentin says, giving a shit about someone doesn't just evaporate the second they fuck up. So just admit you want to talk about Penny. That is like such a good line. It like, is a good line. We haven't gotten a lot of like emotional stuff about Julia from Q. Like the letter, the amends letter, he didn't really respond to it. And like, that was... That was good. Like, well done, cute. We haven't gotten any more. I kind of wish we've had more letters, but we haven't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and it's been a month and a half. So maybe there has been letters and we just haven't heard them. Yeah. So Katie says that Julia is good. She's great. They're working on something that's going to help a lot of people. And, you know, Q is glad to hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he tell like she asks how penny is and he's like you know extra broody <laughs> and honestly he makes penny seem better than he is which watching this stressed me out because yeah. this whole back and forth between katie in julia's apartment penny getting high trying to drown out everything i'm like q you don't know what's going on with him like yeah. it's a big deal because of two things well First of all, ever since this has only started with Penny since since he left that circle. So Q might not have seen him at all since then. Yeah. To be fair. It's a bummer because uh, they're boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And like Q has like interacted with Penny a little bit. And it's not in the same way that Alice was kind of like mansplaining, like being able to hear voices. Quentin's just like very surface level like I know you're bummed about Penn oh, about Katie yeah. and it's like dude there's like a whole monster in his brain and it's a bummer he doesn't know about that because yeah. um, they're besties their boyfriends get over it he describes Penny as like a cockroach in nuclear winter and so, Katie laughs Katie yeah. laughs she's like that's so true he is like a cockroach yeah. man I love <laughs> he's just like a bummed out man all the time but you know when he's bitching he's okay is the point that Quentin's making like if he's bitching yeah and quipping then I don't have to worry about him it's when he gets stoic and silent that he gets concerned when he's just like you know injured which brings us to the next scene we have a combination of the beast screaming at Penny to end it while the girl in the dungeon begs and screams for help it's not good I don't love this journey for him and neither does he because he he completely collapses under duress and then he wakes up in our other favorite set, the infirmary. I and do love the infirmary set. It's a good one. Yeah. I tried to give it a little shout out in our Strangled Heart Instagram post, um, but with like all the crystals and bottles of colored liquid and like lights and stuff, I really love the infirmary set. Also very different from all of our other times where Penny is either lying flat on his back or like trying to get up and like, you know, manly yelling at everybody he is curled up into the fetal yeah. position Penny not is good done and Sunderland is like hovering over him like my cat does in the morning when she wants food she's like I see you over there <laughs> and she's like you gotta tell me what happened and because and he's like trying to make light of it and she's like I've OD'd on stuff like I know what this is like you but you need to tell me what's going on yeah she tells him that she's overdosed on crack once (laughs) done things that would make Penny hide under a blankie it's kind of a gross delivery but I love her anyway I'm not trying to be like oh it's cool to OD on crack but I am saying that like she is 
like so no nonsense in a way that I'm yes. always surprised by and it's like it's kind of nice yeah she's just like very in tune with herself and the act and is is played that way by the actress like way back when when she like turned down Penny um when he was hitting on her and now like I'm sorry but the the word blanky is not an easy word to deliver <laughs> in a way that doesn't make you want to just like grimace and she delivers that here and I am not bothered by it yeah he does something I never thought he would do and Penny explains what is happening very clearly and she just stills it down and says and basically it says what Penny is experiencing is an assault she has a solution a temporary one it is like it almost looks like a patch that has spikes and it goes on the back of his neck and it blocks the flow to his head and i don't really understand what that means and i it think almost that's fine. looks like that it is a patch with spikes on it <laughs> it is exactly that it is exactly that <laughs> yeah she says it's not approved uh by whatever fda the magicians adhere to because it wears down the mind's ability to defend itself um, so good in this situation but whatever yeah. is going to make him not do what he was currently doing and then it gets real like we said we called her no nonsense before but this is like capital n capital N. yeah no nonsense right here she tells penny <laughs> are you ready I'm ready. You will never have a real home. You will never have a real family. Your gifts will take this from you over and over. So when someone cares enough to reach out a hand, drop the bullshit attitude and take it while you can. I put, that was pretty fucking depressing, Sunderland. That, and put, she's, what, these tra no travelers can have families? Go ahead. Oh, I just put, damn, fuck. <laughs> Harsh. I had to rewind and write down every word because it was just like, there is no spoonful of sugar. That is extremely rough. Yeah. They are very much on the same page as much, like, as much as they're both in that same level of like, don't bullshit me. And I yeah. think he understands that. And that's why he didn't like, he just told her what was happening, uh, which he hasn't really done to anyone else and really hasn't put it as plain and how bad it is. So Margo, Elliot, Alice, Quentin are all sitting around in the cottage with bottles of, whoops, are they empty or are they white? I have white, but I also feel like they didn't have anything in them. Confusing myself. They are, they're clear. They're just like clear, okay. empty bottles uh, because yes. the solution is bottling their emotions. Uh, I've seen this episode of Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> <laughs> Alice explains that uh, when they put their emotions back into their bodies, they come back very intense. Elliot makes a don't lean on the bottle joke, which is pretty good. Quentin <laughs> says the we can go full Spock line. Alice is not happy, but she's going to do it. And then Penny shows up uh, with his little patch in and he says he'll go under one condition. And he doesn't even say that condition. Quentin fills in the blank and says the girl in the dungeon because he knows his man. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. It was a really nice scene. I loved that he was like, yeah, we'll get her out. And it was so, oh, so yes. good. Yes. I miss I miss them having scenes all like, together and fighting all the time. I wrote um, that their friendship is downplayed because I do. Honestly, again, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but I will say I can't believe how heavily I'm on the Penny Quentin, 
Penny Quentin yeah. train this yeah this go around. I'm so into them, both platonically <laughs> and as a ship, guys. But like, I love how much they like as much as they hate each other, they get each other. You know, this is this is the hate to love like trope that I love so much because they like you're the only person who gets me, and that's like I still hate you, Dara. It's called enemies to lovers. Oh, he does have this fun line where they're very shocked to see him because he just OD'd. And he's like, you look, they're like, you look. And he goes, damn handsome for someone who just had a heart attack. What can I say? I'm genetically blessed. Love it. <laughs> oh, Penny, I missed you. So we cut to some grimy place and Katie and Julia are walking down the, I don't know, scariest hallway I've ever seen. And yes, I wrote sleazy vibes, dirty, dank, and dark. They walk into some kind of party and there's a guy in a leather vest and I'm like, oh, this is a vampire. As we learned from their previous scenes, um, junkie vampires can be a little chatty and this one is, his name is Bjorn. <laughs> And they get him to talk by offering him syringes of Julia's blood. And they got that information because someone was stealing blood from blood bank. And that was, you know, she sold him out for 20 bucks, which, you know, relatable. Well, we have the wonderful line when he tries to take Julia's blood and she's like, no, no, no. She says her blood is the cleanest thing in this room, which is snotty of her, but legit. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Right. Uh So they're like, we want to petition a God. And he goes, no one does that anymore. And then he says, ask an answer. Give me. And she goes, no, give me something I can work with. And I texted Olivia while I was watching this. And I was like, that was an amazing delivery. And Olivia was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But just the way the tone that she says it. And I'm like, oh, she's like, I have I like I'm on a mission and I just I love determined Julia Um, master manipulator Julia who was raised by like a bougie political mom (laughs) yeah she's like me something I can work with so he agrees to give her a name when she refuses to leave without a name of at least another creature who can help her she like refers to him as a thing and he gets like defensive he's like I'm a person but then he like shits on all of the other creatures he's like pixies are dicks lichens are rapists shapeshifters are head or they headed west in the 50s he's like I'm a person but none of the other creatures are it's like dude they were like not happy with that assessment either they were like okay moving on you are a sleazebag yeah it's like oh this you know what it is it's like we get this world building where we're like this is what a vampire is and i'm like uh lame i think it's such a bummer i think it's fun that they make the vampires lame though because it's like there's so much media glorifying vampires and i consume a fair amount of it (laughs) um but i like that you don't say No, you've never heard me mention vampires ever on this podcast. Ever. <laughs> it's it's fun. I like that they made him just kind of just lackluster and yeah, and sleazy. Yeah. It's very fun. And that they also, because vampires are basically immortal, um, they they made him like basically racist. Yep. For yeah. lack of a nuanced terms when it comes to pixies and shape shapeshifters. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's it's more world building and it's very nicely done. Moving on, I guess. We'll, we'll see who they chase down later. For now, we're back in the cottage. We're back sitting on the swirly rug on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry. We're mm-hmm. not sitting. We're standing. We're chanting. We're standing. We're chanting. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, the bottles light up red and they're all... Is it not pink? Um, Pinkish red and glowy. 
And then they all start start speaking in a deadpan, factual way. And it's it's funny. It's good. It's a good time. Yeah. Q compares it to a Vulcan ritual, very clearly without his usual jumpy enthusiasm. <laughs> um, Penny immediately compliments Q because they love each other. <laughs> And he says, do you mean to be cruel? And so Vulcan, I'm sorry, but Jason Ralph just channeled being a Vulcan in this in this episode is so good. And Penny's like, no, I just liked it. And I saw no reason not to share. And uh, listeners, I've just started watching Star Trek again. And I'm loving this. <laughs> it's very good. Um, uh, yeah, Penny, which means Penny clearly has reasons not to share the rest of the time. But yeah. They love each other. Moving on. Quentin says, shall we go fuck some shit up? Yes. Yes. Very good. Yes. Let's go fuck some shit up. That's yes. good. <laughs> uh, it's a good time. Oh. Before we get to see them fuck some shit up, we're back in a new creepy hallway with Katie and Julia. Yes. They continue on their yucky journey. Julia pauses in the hallway because she finds a prayer candle on a bookcase. Katie goes on ahead and it's not a good time. I wrote, is there going to be a jump scare? I'm not ready. <laughs> Katie walks up and sees this woman and, oh, we know her. It's her mom. It's uh, her mom. She, she looks really disheveled. And we know her mother is dead. And so does Katie. And so does Julia. Yeah. There yeah. is a mirror positioned behind mm-hmm. her. And Julia notices something in the reflection. And it looks like a tail. It's a tail. And Julia says... Katie, it's don't fall for it. It's not your mom. And Katie says, I'm not an idiot, Julia. I love her so much. It's so Uh, good. This is my favorite (gasps) Katie so far. Yeah. uh, We, Julia is very cool and collected about it all. She tells the creature, if you can read our minds, you know, we both have knives in our pockets, coated in gold and silver, dipped in shark's blood. (laughs) And the creature just goes, Jesus, that's over. She goes, we weren't sure which legends were true. And then she says, I hate Ivy League girls. And like, same. It's so good. It's so good. We find out that the creature is a LeMay. Is that how we? LeMia. Sorry, I was looking at the plural of it. Yes. Um, Yes, LeMia. Yes, they are notoriously powerful psychic and that they can like bypass wards. Unlike, you know, like how Penny's always like, oh, this person's wards are tight. I can't read them. LeMia's can can do that and that they are typically uh covered in like yellow and orange reptilian scales and have a barbed tail so is this on the magician's wiki this is okay cool because the actual greek mythology is different which is (laughs) what i looked up so that's cool okay neat yes i saw there were both so i included the magician's one would you like to tell us a little bit about the greek one uh, yes. So okay. So she was a female demon who devoured children. Terrifying. Uh, and the story is that Zeus and Lamia were having an affair, and that Hera robbed, or there's debate over whether or not Hera killed the children between of their affair or just took them away. But as a result, Lamia decided, like her quest was to kill every child that she could. So that's the story, and that is also pretty. Pretty heavy, just knowing what we know that the Lamia is disguised as Katie's mother, and that's Absolutely. like what they're associated with. That definitely adds to it. Yeah, and we know that also Katie's mom, I think her name was Hannah, was really desperate to get 
Katie back into her life. So it's like a very nice little metaphor that they threw in there. But as a result, Zeus also gave Lamia the power of prophecy and the ability to take out and reinsert her eyes because she could never fall asleep, which is really sad and then apparently <laughs> Hera like cursed her with insomnia all right that all that all suits they took the power of prophecy and turned it into power of being psychic in this show yeah. uh, which is not too far t- of an arm to bend that didn't make sense but we're going with it anyway <laughs> they tell the Lamia that they want to petition a god and the Lamia says that's not what you really want you want oh, to be I know. Whole. hurts <laughs> That line hurts. You want to be whole. She tur- she says to Julia specifically, the day you split into two Julias, and she's referring to when Julia did not pass the test of break bills. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to say it, but that line is weird. Like, I won't say why, but that line is weird. The Julia that got into break bills and the Julia that didn't, because there's only one Julia, the one that got... That did that got rejected. I do know what you're saying. Um, I think it I think it's not a physical split, it's a um, I guess a mental emotional split. Um, the Julia who knows about magic and the Julia who can't practice it, more or less. I mean, she can no, practice yeah. it, but like I think it's I think it's more of a like Quentin said, like how how would you know about magic and ever be able to go back? Right. That's like a, so this is why we're talking about it because I was like, what? What does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. There was the Julia of before and the Julia of the knowing. And it starts to get a little heated. And she says to Julia and Katie that the gods are all dead. There's no one to hear them. Julia and Katie go back to Julia's apartment to download the free trader Beowulf crew on what the Lamia said, that the gods are all dead. And Richard is frustrated. He says that, of course, the gods abandoned her. She was like, I forget. I didn't have the words written down of what what he said about her, but I didn't want to write it down because it's just more like classist grossness. Well, I get it that it's not like, but the, when, when the Lamia was disguised as Katie's mother, she was disguised as like what you would imagine, like a homeless version of Katie's mother would be. Yeah. And like living in not great conditions. And like Richard is like, of course she was abandoned. She was like this gross creature living in a gross hole in the ground, which is like, yeah, dude, dude. the way that he said it, I was like, have you been there? Like it may, he seemed Mm. very familiar with it and that bothered me. And so Julia's kind of looking to him for like, what are we going to do if everyone we're going to thinks that the gods are dead? And he says in a very biting tone, I don't know, Julia, he's not going to, I'm not going to give up. And he kind of like goes over to this big, like the, the, window door thing that she has in her apartment that they've turned into like a map of all of the creatures and he's like looking at it and he's just like pondering and he's like you can do whatever you want but I'm gonna be here and she's like well I'm not going anywhere this is my house and like everyone laughs and like thank god Julia is there to be Julia god Richard yeah the scene I think was just meant to like give Richard more depth but it was just kind of like 
I don't know, annoying. Um, <laughs> it just like, like the stakes didn't feel feel high coming off of the scene where like the Lumia is being extra creepy. So I don't know. I didn't take many notes on it. It didn't do much Same. for me. I basically it was just like Richard says that God is not dead, and he gets all pissy, and Julia makes a flat joke. I just think that like don't be rude to me in my own house you're all hanging out at my house like that uh I don't know just don't don't appreciate it we're back at break bills and Mm -hmm. they're all walking to our favorite little area we have a lot of favorite places on this in the show uh but it's that space with all the string lights I do love this I do it's great They're all practicing battle magic. They set up some targets and they're doing all of their little tuts and they're very successful. And it's clear that their emotions are what we're keeping them from being able to do battle magic. Like Katie was saying, you know, it has to be like this pure thing. Yeah. I also made a note of that. There's there's some great tutting in this scene. Mm, It's very nice to look at and there was like a tut choreographer right on the show so like yes, that's also was. a cool thing yeah mm-hmm. it's nice to remember the show is about magicians every now and then yeah so they and there was like a stipulation with this spell right is that they should only be doing it for three hours at a time and then that time is up and they're like that was really great it's a shame we have to feel mm-hmm. again Yes, Penny says feelings are bullshit. Also, is Penny wearing a floor length cardigan or is this something else? Is this a jacket? Is this a shirt? At first, I thought it was just like a long jacket and then they're back in the house and I'm like, I think that's a very long sweater. It's not important. I just needed to note it. So after they all agree that feelings are bullshit, they drink down their feelings and they lose it. Alice is immediately sobbing and starts confessing her love for Q. Quinn immediately panicking and confesses feeling alone and isolated and lonely. Penny just starts manic laughing. Margot is in a deep sad. She is just silent, heavy tears. And Elliot is just so closed off that he's shaking. We get this little exchange between Margot and Elliot that the vibe is not good, y'all. Elliot is like making a drink and Margot is like, She says, you don't care about me. And he says, that's stupid. It's not good. She continues to be sad at him and try to be serious. And he is just like not having it. He says, this is his third drink. Catch up. Catch up. And then he says, Bambi in like this very cold way. And it's like, this is not the Elliot and Margo we had before Ibiza. It's so interesting because... This is like their the biggest emotion, right? That is coming out of them. And right after they get all of them back. And Elliot is fucking depressed, right? He had to kill his boyfriend who wasn't his boyfriend. It was the beast. It was a fake dating mm-hmm. situation that didn't go how all of the fake dating tropes usually go. And Margot is like caught up in how she fits into Elliot's life. And I know that Margot understands that Elliot is really going through it. But her first big emotion is... Elliot doesn't care about me. And it's like, he does, but there's a big thing happening that is also so devastating to him. It's not about you. I love that you read it that way because 
I do struggle to read it that way. I mean, like your reading is absolutely correct. I just like am more aligned with Margot here because it's like she she is trying to help him so hard and trying to connect with him so that he doesn't have to feel alone in his grief. And he is just shutting her out completely. And that that's scary when you're shut out in general, but it's even scarier when somebody is teetering on the edge the way Elliot is. So while you are absolutely correct, this is not about Margot. Margot needs to be involved. You're no, you're so right. Because a lot of the time caring for your friends is also just being open about what is going on with you because keeping them out is only going to put them into more turmoil for not knowing what's happening. Yeah. Oh, there's always so much with them. I'm also, so glad we have them. closing off from the bad things shouldn't make you close off from the good. Uh, and I've seen relationships get ruined that way. Yeah. Uh, so like, this is very real. You and I have seen the show multiple times. And we also both very much love Margot and Elliot's dynamic. I wonder how first time viewers feel here because we had like a lot of Margot and Elliot for like six episodes and then we didn't have any Margot for an extended period of time and then we come back and she and Elliot are in this very heightened back and forth state where she keeps trying to get him to open up and he won't and I wonder how invested people are in it we're invested because we have we we know the four seasons that follow this but I wonder how I wonder how alluring and engaging this is to new viewers, because I think it's kind of hard even for me to come back to them. I'm like the last time we saw other than the last episode, the last time we saw them was before they went to Ibiza. And it was this lovely, like sweet moment of them, like affirming their relationship and their bond together. And now we're here and it's just like, she is deep caretaking, codependent with him. And he is just letting her enable him and and like ruin himself and it's it's like woof I don't know I mean we have a whole six weeks where we have no idea what happened or like nothing happened right it just was this for six weeks so I was curious I posted on the break bills reddit and I asked people what would your emotion be when if you were in their shoes what would your first big emotion be and we got pretty interesting answers we got some people said that probably similar to margo or quentin be either way would be ugly hangry which i feel was missing from this scene <laughs> valid valid uh, pent-up anxiety or despair we got one horny which as a first emotion is a lot but they're all a lot and then we got a couple more Oh, we got three more anger slash rage. So that's that's interesting. Olivia, do you have an idea of what your first emotion would be? I think my emotion would, I really align with both Alice, Quentin, and Margot here. Uh, like Q's, Q's panic, I think is very real. But I also think the like confessions of love and needing to be cared for, like like the desperate need for somebody to tell you they love them back. I think it was very relatable. However, I didn't consider hangry and they're only allowed to do the spell for like three hours. So let's say we're going on maybe four hours without eating or having a snack. I, I would be hangry. Yeah, I think I think that the person who said that is correct. I think I would be angry too. The beast is going to kill me, but I'm still going to eat these chips. <laughs> All right. And then 
We cut to the next morning in the cottage, mm-hmm. and Quentin and Alice are uh, they're not they're not doing great. They're and they both good. seem yeah, they both seem hungover. <laughs> yes. Uh, whether emotionally or from Elliot's drinks, uh, we can't tell. This scene almost reminds me of that scene in Parks and Rec after the snake juice, where they're all in work the next morning. And Leslie is like, I feel terrible. I hate everything. And Ben is like, I I ran a 5K to this morning. And she's like, really? And he goes, no, I threw up in the shower. <laughs> like That is the vibe here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Quentin oh. says, I hate everything. I hate air. <laughs> And Alice makes the point that Quentin has diagnosed depression and he shouldn't be bottling anything up. And I'm like, damn, did we consider this beforehand, y'all? That's a very important point. Alice was like anxiously, very, very vocally saying that she did not like this idea before they even did it. And, you know, some people have to learn by doing, which is not really always the best way to learn something because bad shit happens. And I think they're seeing that, right? True. I also think in like heightened circumstances such as these, like things slip through the cracks. And that was a big one. Yeah. She had some time to think about it. And she was like, hey, this is bad. She decides she is not doing this again. Yeah. She says that they should try uh, doing it without the bottles. And Quentin is not a fan of this and he is like that might work for you but mm-hmm. the rest of us aren't going to be able to do that and he's kind of identifying that alice has like a higher skill level at magic mm-hmm. than the rest of them do and that you know if she's going to do that fine but the rest of them are going to need the help of this emotion spell it's it's uncomfortable not mm-hmm. only because q is basically saying alice is better than them but he's kind of mean about it like his voice yeah. is, is not nice and it's it's not good she's she says I'm just saying you should try and he says this is what that looks like I'm trying as hard as I can which feels like we're saying more than what we're saying yeah I put like I feel this because it's like some people's like capacity for doing things is different and like their max is not your max like and that like in just everyday life like that is something that you have to like strive to understand and accept about different people that like you can't expect your everything your energy level like your desire to do this sort of thing or whatever it's not always going to match up and this is like a critical situation it's very life or death and he's like i am at my max and you're not seeing that and like i he just his delivery is always so bad i am in agreement with you with all of this i feel like he's saying it in a way that means that he's applying it to their relationship as well uh like this is what that looks like i'm trying as hard as i can like it just feels icy and pointed against her and they've been at odds over this like over multiple things throughout this episode and it hasn't felt like this before yeah perhaps it's me reading too far into it but Mm. yeah but she you know oh i was just gonna say he's saying some truth in that people have different capacities and different uh levels at which they can operate but he's being a bitch about it granted they are hungover this is a hungover fight we're having yeah she's like you're we're not well like (laughs) like she acknowledges it which is good but it's tough it's tough you're gonna have those fights anyways and it's like how do you how do you parse them apart yes we cut briefly away from the happy couple to julia's apartment where she shuts herself into the bathroom and if you doubted uh julia's wealth please look at this bathroom 
Yep. And she kind of like kneels onto the floor with this little like trinket sculpture of a god and tries to pray. And the (sighs) biggest takeaway here is that she says, I want to do good, please. Yeah. I have, is that a clawfoot tub? (laughs) I'm living in a place with a clawfoot tub. Oh my God. Okay. It's more accessible than I realized. I don't know. My tub is like in the ground and then it has like a weird, like ancient thing. I can't describe it. It's it's, not, it's a pretty ancient tub. Also my bathroom is one third of the size as her. It's like the tub. And then there's enough room for a Julia to walk through. I meanwhile, I'm like bumping into everything with these large hips. (laughs) So yes, we have this little moment of Julia pleading and then we cut back to the I guess the night courtyard we'll call it and they are it's Alice walks up to Penny and she's like what are you doing and he's like oh I'm trying to practice without without the spell off the bottle he says off Off the the bottle bottle. (laughs) and he's not having a lot of luck and she's like oh yeah like I wanted to do that too Mm -hmm. and so they start practicing um together and he says warriors had to do it without any help so like it must be we must be able to do it right like well first of all he tells her to sit and meditate which is what Katie suggested originally they don't even start practicing yet they just meditate and he says Mm -hmm. every warrior in history learned how to do it I bet plenty of them were hot messes which I wrote tbh a great philosophy yeah I said great pep talk we cut back to Julia's apartment. And Julia is asleep on the breakfast bar, which I always have always wanted one. Uh, and she hears a voice whisper her name. And then there's this light coming in through her kitchen. And she walks over to it and puts her hands out and water pours into her hands. Milk. It's milk, not water. Is it milk? Oh, my God. Isn't that like a thing with God? No, I, I, I bet I believe you. I believe you. I don't know. A liquid. It's not clear. That's what I know. We're <laughs> first... learning that I have no idea what water looks like. <laughs> she puts her hands into a beam of light and first milk pours into them. She pulls out. She puts them back in and then coins fall into her hands. And then a woman appears. And she says, not so dead am I. So this is she of the grain, I guess. This is where we're making these assumptions. And she says that everything that has happened to Julia has served to pull her closer to her. She says that go to this bridge and there's a man who has served me for a thousand years and give him, bring him three gifts. She calls Julia her beautiful child. Uh, and Julia does that. That Stella Maeve, Stella Maeve magic acting where she looks like she's going to cry uh-huh. the whole scene. And it's pretty, it's pretty magnificent. I would say the whole scene is very pretty. And then Julia wakes up on the bro- breakfast nook and mm-hmm. says, holy shit. Yep. <laughs> Which fair. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, it was a nice scene. Did you have any thoughts on it? I think she said daughter, not child. Oh, my beautiful daughter. You're correct. Yes. Yeah. Which feels important. So we move from the scene back to the, what was it? The night, the night commons, the night courtyard. While Penny and Alice meditate, the others bottle up. up. They decide to go through the, with the ritual. A Q brought a bottle just in case for Alice, and she turns him down and stays with Penny. 
And the others, when they practice, it's flawless. But there's also there's also no joy in it, which we see with Penny and Alice. Uh, when Penny finally gets it, Alice squeals and high fives him. And it, it's adorable. Unfortunately, the other three go over their time with the bottles. It's not good. So when they drink their emotions down again, their reaction is way worse. It's way less quiet than and dramatic than it was the first time, but it visually is so much worse. They are falling over. Q, Q like knocks over a whole table. It's fucking yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a good time. We cut to them in the cottage. Elliot and Q are drunk by the fire. It's very somber. Elliot asks about Chatwin's torrent, which in the books healed Rupert's leg after the war. He asks Quentin if he thinks it's real and Quentin says some of the good parts have to be. Mm. I wrote, okay, ow. Yeah. And he asks him like, why, why are you asking about it? And he's like, I probably have liver damage. Yeah. But we know that that's not what Elliot's talking about. Yeah. And he he changes tones though. He tries to get Quentin to come up, get up for wine. (laughs) He says it twice. Yeah. Yeah. And now we are out of wine. And then it's, he goes, it's, good. He's, it's peak Elliot. He's, yeah. He's like, I'm going to get it then. Fine. And then falls to the floor, which is a, also, and they all laugh and it's like cute and stuff. Margo finds them being extra sloppy on the floor. We cut away from them back to Alice and Penny. Alice does another cute little squeal and hugs Penny when she gets the spell right. She accidentally hits his little patch on the back of his neck, but he's, he's like smiley. He's okay. He kind of. He says it's good to be reminded it's there. Yeah. I guess it's Uh, it's very sobering um, and keeps him aligned with the mission. I I love seeing them. Like we don't, we get a lot of like Penny Alice time because she's nosy and they meddle into each other's lives a lot in previous episodes, but it's kind of nice to see them in like a focused, but also happy sort of thing. And the progress they're making is small compared to what everyone doing the, with the magic, with the bottles is doing, but it is progress and it's real yeah. progress with themselves. Uh, and with it's no measured progress. Help. Yeah, sure. And it's also like doing it, trying to focus on your own probably sets them ahead of anything when there's real danger and they do need to trigger that stuff. Like they're probably going to be in great shape to do it. I actually kind of don't totally understand how removing their emotions is going to help them later on if that's the plan or if they're going to use the bottles during that, which I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think the theory is, is aligned with the idea of like, if you do something if you cheat to get something done or if you like have somebody walk you through something, it's easier the second time. Like there's more muscle memory. There's more like confidence built rather than kind of like just raw dogging it. It's kind of, no, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of not true, right? Because like cheating on stuff doesn't actually mean that you've learned anything. Whereas like practicing actually, like you have those skills and you didn't borrow them from someone else. But that's what the whole debate of this, this scenario is, is like, which works better, the the shortcut or the real, the real work. I mean, yeah, I was about to say, I I would call it more a shortcut than cheating because it's still them doing it and they're still learning all those spells. They're just like not learning it in their right mind. Yeah. They still have the lived experience of doing those spells. Their circumstances are just different. Their internal circumstances. There you go. Pulling it back to our break bills lessons that we've been taking. Bada bing. 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, we cut back to the cottage. Uh, Margot and Q are carrying Elliot to, I don't know, would we say this is Margot's room? I, I think it's um, not lush enough to be Elliot's room. Honestly, as much as I love the set design in the show, I think they did not put Have- Everett in here. There's yeah. like an Eiffel Tower somewhere on the wall. But more importantly, there's a glass of milk next to the bed, and I am appalled. Neither Elliot nor Margot would leave a glass of milk sitting next to their bed. What the fuck is this at Magician Set Design? Please Get answer Sarah Gamble on the line. I need answers. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. So uh, kudos. I'm glad you're calling them out. I'm really upset about all of it. Well, because at first I was like... I don't know why I always assumed it was Elliot's room because they're carrying Elliot. Yeah. But it do- it does not feel Elliot at all. And yeah. I feel like it could feel like Margot, but I'm not close to Margot. So I have I need I don't know Wait. if we have time for me to look this up. I Wait, think we it's see- Alice's room. It's not Alice's room. Alice's room is turquoise. Damn. Okay. But in a I think it's the second episode. We see Alice sitting on Margot's bed. Oh. Oh my God. I gotta look at the photos. Okay. Okay. We've got we've got our answer. All right, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna issue a formal apology here. It is a candle on the nightstand. It is definitely Margot's room. I'm sorry. If you guys have what have listened to Angel on Top at all and or watched any of season four of Angel, you'll know we're a little traumatized by all the milk that Connor drank. So I the second I saw this, I was just like red flag in the dark. I'm so upset. Okay, so we learned that I don't know what milk looks like and Olivia doesn't know what a candle looks like. And we're all learning here. Again, there's so much white in that room. Yeah, it's a lot. And there, the the lamp shade is like a New York lampshade. It has like the Statue of Liberty on it, which is so tacky. It Yeah, it looks like they were like, what does like a bitchy cosmopolitan girl like? But then they made it for a 12-year-old. Yeah. They're like, I've never been to New York City. Let's make a New York City room on trading spaces. Like, that's what this looks like. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, anyways, I apologize <laughs> for judging everybody so harshly. So, I just I was very triggered. <laughs> the magician set design, you no longer owe anyone an apology, but you do need to answer for whatever that lampshade was. Where did you buy it? Why did you buy it? Why is it here? Why did you say this is Margot? Who literally made a portal to her favorite pub in England. Right. I don't know. She's more complex than this weird New York lampshade. I know. We know. The set designers didn't know. All right. All right. Let's move on. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) They carry Elliot into Margot's room. And they all collapse on the bed, giggling and drunk. But then we have a serious moment between Margo and Quentin. And you folks know, I love my Margo and Quentin moments. Yes. Quentin brings up that Elliot mentioned Chatwin's torrent mm-hmm. to Margo, who we know is very well versed in the Fillory books. She is probably just as passionate about it as Q, mm-hmm. but is a little bit more subtle than yeah. he is. And... They have this like very deep discussion about what that means and why Elliot brought it up. And they're kind of talking about 
like would it heal all of Elliot and it's very sad and Margot remarks that like how Q loves Fillory is so pure and so I don't know I don't know the word for it how Q loves all of magic Mm. is she says it he loves it pure and simple they explain she explains it in the sense that they all know magic is real but they don't believe in it the way Q does Mm. and she says I've never loved something like that and a tear falls down her face and Q says that's not true and they're talking about Elliot we get a lot of crying Margot in this episode but like this is soft Margot, and we don't get yeah. a lot of her and I love when we see her she snuggles up to Q just to cry and it seems like there's almost going to be a kiss and then mm. we cut oh yeah just and that's the end of the episode right Nope. <laughs> um, so, so we cut and it's morning Q's waking up in a bed mostly not wearing clothes we have no idea if he's completely naked but from what we could see he's not wearing clothes and he is in bed next to Elliot and Margot Margo, um, who is wrapped around Elliot Elliot whose arm is slung over Q's waist as Q wakes up we get some flashbacks silent with a piano backing of him and Margot and him and Elliot and all three of them and I have legs 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any fun notes I'm just I well, uh, for those of you in community you know that this Quinn and Elliot kiss has been it's like one of the most like uh gift like scenes in this freaking show <sighs> When I first watched this, I was not like, oh, this is a big deal that because El- Elliot's been pretty obvious about his interest in Q mm-hmm. the whole season so mm-hmm. far. And also Margot has been kind of like, I don't get it. And we maybe see some of that click in the scene and we see the two of them both getting it. I mean, there's alcohol involved and a spell that takes their emotions away. There's magic involved, baby. Magic, magic. So there's a lot. But the show doesn't really let you sit in the what does this mean for Quentin and Elliot and Margot because they want you to focus on Alice's betrayal, like that he cheated on her with these two. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Even though it's cliffhangery as hell and normally cliffhangers are not good, I think it's really fun to and the episode in this heightened state because it's I don't know it's not a big cliffhanger with stakes like yeah it's the relationship on the line but compared to like the beast and all of the other stakes we have like it, I don't care it it makes it a funner cliffhanger it's like low stakes it's like oh yeah that makes sense uh okay moving on like the, the beer fish to fry but I mean, you're still like gasp, but at the same time, but you're like, it, you you don't care. <laughs> it's a you're big like, deal, might, but we don't care. We might die next week. So why not fuck around? And then Alice is like, you're going to find out what the consequences are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very good. Uh, we end the episode with a suicide prevention hotline number. And yeah. that's, that's it. That is it. So all in all, a relatively okay time. But this is what I feel like we're still at the beginning of this recording. 
we were like, uh, how do we feel about this? It's just, there's a lot of stuff that happens and a lot of stuff will probably pay off in the next episode, but yeah. they're just setting things up and it's yeah. a little bit. It feels like we're really lot. stretching out act two. Yeah. I'm sure there's a reason mm-hmm. she says, hopefully. <laughs> yes. What was your favorite line of the episode? I don't know. I have three. Is it full spot? We, yeah. Well, okay. That's the first one. All right. I'm not that. Okay. Everyone. I'll just stop. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, but we can go full spot, a spot with battle magic or how are you with a broadsword or I hate Ivy League girls. All great. Lots to choose from. Yeah. I did love the Jesus. That's overkill moment. Um, uh, you know, I usually go towards the serious lines, but yeah. My my favorite line in the episode was was all due to Arjun's delivery of I fucking love that guy <laughs> about the Leo blade. I really that line that just tickles me. Uh, despite all the drama in this episode, you know what? A lot of my lines are like jokes, or they're like in the context of like they're just like kind of one off lines. There was a lot of subtext in this, a lot of unsaid things in this episode. Yeah. So there are a lot of moments where that are nice, but they're not like words. Magic is the only queer coding that I need. Uh, What is your moment, Olivia? What could it be? What could it ever be? I mean, it's by Quentin, baby. (laughs) It's 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 by Quentin. I have a lot of feelings about it. It by Quentin. Bye bye bye. Bye with (laughs) Margot. Bye with Elliot. Bye with Penny. And I guess bye with Alice too. There's going to be four buys here. But we had a lot of moments with Quinn in this episode. But that is that is the umbrella over them all, okay? That's mine too. I, there was no other There's like, no option. alternative. I mean, I can yeah. understand you maybe like picking something under the umbrella. But that's the umbrella. And I'm fine there... going broad here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. What has you spellbound in this episode? It was nice to see all the tutting when they were practicing. Mm, mine was uh, She of the Grain appearing, even mm. though I didn't know that it was milk because I'm a fool. <laughs> it was still like very cool to see. And I like Breakbills is cool, but I do enjoy like the practical in New York City magic of Julia's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is always Fair. kind of fun to, fun to see. Yeah. They yeah. do a lot with that set, like a lot what her apartment yeah in yeah. A, in a tight space yeah any any major critiques of this episode we've already talked a bit about tropes with like vampires and whatnot mm, i guess like we were saying earlier that it was like kind of lazy what was lazy no that was the margot's room thing i guess that's it i think it's the lampshade <laughs> <laughs> nothing plot or narrative wise just the lampshade <laughs> I could do with them having worked on Richard's character a little more. I feel like they really tried to get us to connect and it just was not working for me. It felt like he had like a a story in the last episode and then this, he was just like an angry guy. Like, yeah, I'm a man on a mission and I could do this alone. And I'm going to do it in your apartment and I will not be leaving. Okay, Richard, pay rent. Thank you. <laughs> Like what is he? Why? I, I why feel like I feel like that was too literal for you. I don't think it was meant so literally. I think yeah, it was I more. Do, <laughs> I do have a man who is moonlighting in my apartment, and 
uh, looking for a God and it is a personal problem. <laughs> on that note, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at no sidekicks pod on Instagram or send us an email at no sidekicks pod at gmail.com. Please let us know. Are the bottles pink or red rather are the emotions pink or red? Thank you for listening. Stay magical or whatever. Bye. Bye.